The Beef and Dairy Network podcast is sponsored by Bove Shield Plunge, the new antimicrobial cattle dip from Mitchell's. If it's not Mitchell's, get back in the truck. While Bove Shield was originally formulated to disinfect cattle, it's also perfect for getting blood stains off a briefcase full of banknotes. Just mix with your panic tears and scrub. For 10% off your next delivery, use the code I didn't mean to. Hello, and welcome to the Beef and Dairy Network podcast, the number one podcast for those involved, or just interested, in the production of beef animals and dairy herds. The Beef and Dairy Network podcast is the podcast companion to the Beef and Dairy Network website and a printed magazine brought to you by Bovshield Plunge. Later, we'll take our own plunge into the Beef and Dairy Network post bag. But first, this month I spoke to Reverend Hilary Block, a priest whose revolutionary teachings about the life of Jesus threatened to turn Christianity on its head. He has been preaching his controversial message for a couple of years now, both from the pulpit at his church St Catherine's in Bromley and on his YouTube channel, where he also rails against the mainstream media and unboxes kitchen gadgets. But an appearance last week on BBC Television's religious affairs programme Songs of Praise went viral and brought him to the world's attention. I won't attempt to describe his beliefs myself, because they are complex, nuanced, and it's better for you to hear it from the man himself. But be warned, they may change the way you think about everything. Hello, my name is Father Hilary Block, and I am the parish priest at St Catherine's. I began by asking Reverend Hilary to explain the new theological framework that he has introduced at his church St Catherine's, and how it differs from the more traditional Catholic doctrine. Well, I, I, I mean, I'm loath to say it differs. I think it's actually a progression. It's an evolution. It is a step forwards. Well, the long and the short of it is, I believe that Jesus, our Lord, our Saviour, the Son of God, was a cow. Just a normal... Well, not, not a normal cow. No, obviously not. A cow that was also the Son of God. Right. But a cow nevertheless. Obviously, from popular depictions of Jesus throughout the history of art, for yes. example, he is depicted as a, you know, a white man with a hipster beard. Looks like the kind of man you might see working in a, a coffee shop that also fixes bikes. Absolutely, that yes. kind of yeah. guy. You're saying that that's not true. That's not what he was. That's absolutely not what he was. That is very much a construct. If you look at the Bible, then you'll know that. Well, firstly, the Bible you're reading is written in English. Right. Was it written originally in English? I assume not. It was not written in English. Um, it was written in a variety of languages. German? Uh, I mean, I assume at some stage it has been written in German. I've not... Uh, but it, no, wasn't, it wasn't originally it wasn't. No, it wasn't originally written in Sorry. German. Sorry, yes. Yeah, no, no, no. I don't uh, know where uh, I had that idea. Uh, no, no, a, a variety of Aramaic, uh, Hebrew, probably a bit of Esperanto thrown in for good measure. But uh, it's been written in a variety of languages. Uh, it has been translated according to the whims of uh, monarchs, uh, according to uh, the, the whims of, of powerful people. Now, what do powerful people look like? Men with beards. So doesn't it make a lot of sense that somewhere along the way they would retranslate the Bible to suggest that Jesus was just a common or garden man with a lovely beard? Doesn't it make a lot more sense to go back to the original source material 
and to look at what some of those words might actually have meant. And is that what you've done? No, but it's something that I have a very strong feeling that one day I will do. I would like to first build up my faith because the man who can believe but not see, that is the true Christian. And I haven't seen a cow that looks like Jesus. I have got no evidence that Jesus was a cow apart from my unflappable faith and belief. There are obviously cattle in in the Bible. Yes. Uh, they haven't been erased from the Bible. No. Famously, there was an ox in the stable when, when Jesus was born. That's right, yes. It's all there. So you're when you say that it's all there, you're saying that that's somehow connected to the idea that Jesus was... Was Jesus that ox? Is that what you're saying? I'm not saying Jesus was an ox. That's ludicrous. Uh, Jesus was a cow. But let's, let's face it. In a, in a human hospital, when humans are being born, what are they surrounded by? Other humans. If a cow's being born, chances are there are other cows around. So it's a bit of a coincidence. And I appreciate it was a manger. It was a stable. Uh, it's not a traditional birth. But it's weird, isn't it, that there's a cow there? I mean, was there a cow at your birth? There was, but um, but I, I will admit that that's unusual. Okay, that's a bad that's a bad example there. Yeah. There, um, but I wasn't born in a stable. No. I was I was born in um, in a normal hospital. Oh, that's it. You're doing brilliantly, darling. You're doing brilliantly. Okay, keep it up. Just keep breathing. And think about your breathing exercises. Okay, okay? Oh, you're doing brilliantly. All right. It's going to be over soon. You can do this. You can do this. Well done. Why is there a cow in here? The, that's to bring you comfort, all right? Get that fucking cow out of here now! All right, okay, we can do this. Think about your breathing. Can we do something about the cow? Sorry. What just... is wrong with you? No, what? Nothing. Just, okay, just think about Obviously, people in the modern world are quite keen on evidence. And you've you've put forward some some things that you've found in the Bible that you think... Well, when, when if you think of Jesus as a cow, it would sort of start making more sense. I, I, this, is, this is right. Now, there are certain moments in the Bible that I think don't make a lot of sense if you think of Jesus as a human man with a beard. Let's start with the Sermon on the Mount. Why would a man be up a mount? Doesn't make a lot of sense. You know, if, if I'm looking, if I'm driving through the countryside, which I love to do, and I look out the window of the Corsa and I see a mount... The chances are I might see sheep on the mount. I might see goats on the mount. I might see some cattle on a mount. Am I really going to see a man standing there in a robe with a beard, waving his arms around, telling people to, to uh, love their neighbour as thyself or, 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 or blessed are the peacemakers? Of course I'm not. So already it feels a lot more logical that there was a cow that had stood up on its hind legs and started talking and that's where a crowd appeared. I mean, if a man stood on a mountain and started talking, he would be shouting into the wind. But if a cow started talking... That's box office. Now we've got a party. Right. Yeah, well, I mean, you've convinced me. Great. That's um, fantastic. <laughs> well, mission accomplished. Uh, I'll see you on Sunday. In your, uh, in your YouTube video, one of the, the more popular ones is the one where you talk about the loaves and fishes and the feeding of the 5,000. Absolutely. Well, or as I call it, nose-to-tail dining. Because if a cow gave of himself, how many, how many people could, could, could eat one cow? I mean, it's got to be close to 5,000, hasn't it? 
So you're saying that Jesus dismembered himself and and spread himself around a crowd of 5,000 people? Yes, I think what Jesus did was he literally stood up uh, on his back hooves, started pulling off his ribs and handing them around to people. They would eat them. And then uh, they looked down to the bone that they're you know, gobbling away on and go, hang on a sec, I thought I'd finish this. Looks like there's still meat on it. Because what did Jesus do on the third day? He rose again. He was dead and he came back to life. If we follow that logic, it means that anybody could have taken a bite out of Jesus at any time and he would have, you know, over a course of maybe two to three days, grown back a, a, a hoof or grown back a flank or so basically that this is the reason he was able to feed so many people the, the, the idea of it being loaves and fishes is a pure hogwash so he was a self-replenishing meat machine basically absolutely he was a one-stop shop i've taken what you said so far in face value and i haven't wanted to challenge you too much because you've you know over the past couple of weeks had to um endure quite a lot of people who are taking issue with what you have to say. Yeah. Um, I saw your, your interview on Songs of Praise. Obviously, Jesus said all are welcome in this place, but I really do regret opening my doors to the Songs of Praise crew. I'm not going to lie to you. The reason I wanted them to, to, to come into the church was numbers have been falling. I wanted those ears, those eyes to see this message. But then, of course, it was a complete hatchet job and a puff piece, and they made me look like some sort of sort of gibbering uh, lunatic. And of course, some of that was they show up with a plastic cow mask and ask me to put it on and preach. And you you get whisked away with the the showbiz, the razzmatazz of it all. The the fake udders. I mean, I didn't exactly cover myself in glory, but... That bit at the end where you were squirting milk out of the rubber udders into the camera lens... Yeah, well, I'll tell you, that was actually a compromise. They wanted me to squirt holy water onto the head of an infant, and I refused. And I think quite justifiably, I said that for me and for my parishioners, milk is holy water. It's the holiest of waters. In fact, I I have filled uh, the baptismal font with milk before, but again, it turns so quickly. Um, you fill it at 7am, the baptism is at 10, by that point, it's virtually cheese. So I said, here's my compromise. I'll fill the udders with milk and I will squirt them directly onto um, the camera lens. Obviously, they put a sheet of glass because the cameras, it turns out, very expensive. So I squirted it onto them and um, I regret every second of it because I watched it back and it didn't look good. But yes, I've had a lot of abuse. Yes, I've had a lot of people leaving the church who were already parishioners, but... For every 10 people I've lost, I've probably gained one or two people who have come from far afield because they love the message. Who are the kind of people that are attracted by your message? So we've got a lot of people who just really like milk. And yes, they... I don't want to use the term perverts because we're all God's children, but I have to use the term perverts uh, they're all perverts? Not every single one of my parishioners is, but a lot of the new influx. Um, we appeared on a human uh, cow fetish website where um, human beings are linked up to machines uh, to to stimulate their... Um... Anyway, it doesn't need to, I don't need to go into the details of that. All I need to say is that my segment from Songs of Praise, where I was squirting uh, the camera with milk, was 
absolute catnip to those guys. And so I do get a lot of people showing up now in rubber cow outfits uh, who want to roll around in the um, baptismal font, you know, just just churning it up until it's it's basically like butter wrestling. So when you were squeezing that milk out of the udders on, onto the camera, you could say that that, that was a red rag to a pervert dressed as a bull. Very much, very much so. Yes, it was. Um, it was the bat signal for weirdos. My long game, as I see it, is that I'm going to eventually turn these people around. It's just a shame that the very thing that I am promoting as the secret to life, the secret to eternal life, is the very thing that turns them on so much. After the appearance on Songs of Praise went viral, there was an ensuing media storm where the tabloid press attempted to discredit him by digging into his history and finding links with a satanic punk band. When I brought this up, Reverend Hillary was actually very open with me and seemed pleased to be able to explain his past, claiming that throughout his time in the band, he was trying to promote Christianity and not Satanism. I've lived a few lives prior to becoming a vicar. I played played in a series of uh, punk rock bands. Uh, sort of punk rock slash new wave of British heavy metal, that sort of... Uh, we were, I was in a band called Oven. Uh, had, a, had a really, really wonderful time uh, touring around with the lads. Increasingly, I think, my... Christian message that I tried to put across in our music was at odds with their sort of satanic message. And the, the other members had the satanic messages. It became increasingly clear. And I think it was pushback on their part that the more Christian I became, the more satanic they became. So I would suggest that we sang a song about praising the Lord and they would suggest that we sang a song about the sex magic rituals of Alistair Crowley. It sounds like an oven gig was quite a confusing prospect. It really was. It really, really was. Um, not least that the, we were all drummers. Uh, I remember one gig at, uh, it was a Fox and Firkin in Lee. We had a big bust up before we got to even the first song as to who was going to click the sticks together and go one, two, three, four. Which, if you're a drummer, that's, that's your bread and butter. That's how you sort of stamp your mark on the song before the song's even begun. But with seven of us all drumming, it became a problem. Oven never released any records, but a bootlegged recording of an early Oven gig obtained by us at the network shows how Oven were a band with a big schism down the middle right from the start. This is one of their songs, I Love Satan. So when did you know it was time to put down your drumsticks and uh, become a vicar? I think it was probably our last gig. I mean, I didn't know at the time that it was going to be our last gig. Um, we were about to launch into a song about Anton LaVey, obviously a practitioner of uh, uh, satanic magic. The chorus was Anton LaVey, yay, yay, yay. I was, of course, trying as loud as I could to sing nay, nay, nay to put my Christian message forward. And uh, just as I'm hitting the third nay of the nay 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 I feel a, a drumstick clock me on the back of the head I turn around to see who's thrown it and it's it's Gary and Gary Gary's had, the drummer Gary is yes he's the he's the drummer exactly and he's uh stood next to Ian the drummer and Ian has got both drumsticks up his nostrils he's brought his head back 
and smashed himself down on a tom, forcing the drumsticks up into his brain. Now, it didn't kill him, but um, it gave him a hell of a migraine. And, and what was what was Ian up to then? What was I, he trying I think, to achieve? I, I think he was trying to take his own life as a sort of sacrificial offering to the Dark Lord. After the drumsticks up the nose incident with Ian, the band dissolved, and it was this that was the springboard to Hillary becoming a priest. I wanted a fresh start. I wanted to. I wanted a big reset button for my life, and that came in the form of a sign. I was walking home and I was saying, God, if you're there, I'd like to hear a noise, some sort of noise. And that came in the, in, in the form of, uh, of silence. And I think that's sort of been the ethos for my faith throughout my life. It's almost like jazz. It's the miracles he's not performing. It's the gaps between the miracles. It's the gaps between the miracles. And... So far, my life has been full of wonderful, glorious gaps. So in a way, your, your lack of any kind of positive experience coming from God is his way of showing you that he's there. I know he's constantly there because of the, the silence. You know how a couple who are truly connected can just enjoy the silence between each other? That's what I have with God. So you and God are basically sitting on a beach... With a book in hand. Absolutely. Not having to say anything. Not, it's not having to speak to each other. I mean, actually, that's not entirely true because obviously prayer, I, I speak to him all the time. But the fact that he doesn't respond, I take great comfort from that. More after this. Hiring is challenging. But there's one place you can go where hiring is simple, fast and smart. That place is ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invite them to apply for your job. And right now, network members can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ziprecruiter.com beef. That's ziprecruiter.com B-E-E-F. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. And that address again, ziprecruiter.com slash beef. Slash beef. Slash beef. Did somebody order a baby? Oh my God, he's beautiful. My son, when I die, you will become slash beef. Baby beef. Baby beef. Baby beef. What do you think we should call him? I don't know. How about... Slash beef, Junior? No. I want to call him Glenjamin. Glenjamin? That's right. Glenjamin. 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 Okay, uh... Glenjamin? Glenjamin. Is that a name? It is now. I love you, Glenjamin. ZipRecruiter.com slash beef. Back to our interview with Reverend Hillary in a moment. But first, some important news for network members. We were contacted earlier this month by Cult Watch Worldwide, a body set up to monitor sect and cult activity across the globe. The reason that they contacted us here at the network was that in their recent annual report, the so-called religion, run by former Beef and Dairy interview subject Eli Roberts, The Church of Eli, has been listed as the world's fastest-growing cult. Since its foundation in early 2017, it has already grown to a scale that Cult Watch Worldwide call 
worthy of a Netflix documentary. Aside from its headquarters in the Welsh Valley town of Llanquig, there are now regional Church of Eli centres on every continent, including Antarctica. And a few weeks ago, Eli himself, who many had assumed to be dead, was photographed opening a new 40,000-seat Church of Eli megachurch in South Korea. Members of the church, who worship a bull called Malcolm and call themselves the Persuasion, have been deluging the Beef and Dairy Network online message boards and sending us thousands of emails every day, we believe, at Eli's behest. Well, if you're listening now, Eli or any Church of Eli members, we pledge never to read your correspondence on the show. No matter what you send, we will not read it out. We stand against the Church of Eli. You are not welcome. So, on to this month's letters. The first one is from Glenda in York. She writes, Dear Beef and Dairy Network, I'm not a member of the Church of Eli. That's a good start. I'm just a normal woman without any cultish beliefs. That's uh, music to my ears. Uh, I'd love to meet you someday. Maybe you could meet me at the 40,000-seat megachurch that I attend in South Korea. Hang on. Oh, okay. Next letter... Hello, my name is Albert, and I'm a farmer from the west of Scotland. Good, okay. Uh, I have had increasing trouble finding quality stud bulls in recent months. Their semen is of a low quality, the sort of thing you get from a runty, barely pubescent bullock with tiny, tiddly bollocks like a pair of sad grapes. If only Malcolm the bull were still alive. Okay, yep. Um, this one's from Paul in Norfolk. All hail Eli... No, okay... Okay, this next one is from Ursula in Benfleet. Dear Beef and Dairy Network, I've been a member of the network for 10 years now. I first joined when I became a butcher, but now I've moved on to illegal backstreet calf racing. Sounds exciting. Um, You've been with me every step of the way, and so I would like to invite you to my wedding to fellow calf racer Tony. The service will be at 3pm at the 40,000-seater megachurch. Oh, for pity's sake. Back to our big interview with the Reverend Hilary Block. Why, in your view, was Jesus crucified? And secondly, is it even possible to nail a cow, which they can you know, weigh several tons, to a wooden cross? Well, I'll take those questions one by one. Let's, uh, let's start with the second question. It's, it's definitely possible to nail a cow to a cross as we proved at our harvest festival. But why would they crucify him is a much bigger question. And it's the same reason that I am being harassed and harangued by people on Twitter. Fear. They thought his message was dangerous. They thought the method of delivering the message was dangerous. Let's face it, if you want to prove that you are a miracle worker, well, miracle one, I'm a talking cow. So it means that the water into wine, I mean, that's just gravy. And I should say as well that, of course, water into wine was water into milk. That's what a cow does. So he turns up at the wedding, guzzles, what, litres and litres of water. They all wait around and then he starts expressing it. Absolutely. And uh, all the w- wedding guests at Cana had, uh, had, a, had a really wonderful time. And also, 
it's a talking piece, isn't it? Because everyone who gets married wants that one thing. You know, whether it's the photo booth where you can wear a hat and hold up a, an Choc- inflatable chocolate gift. fountain. A chocolate fountain, exactly. Yeah. One of those things, you know, uh, we're not having a cake, we're actually having a big uh, pile of cheese, something like that. If you can drink milk out of a cow's udders. It's, it's kind of, um, you know, did you hear what happened at Jehoshaphat's wedding? Absolutely. They had a cow there and you could just help yourself. Absolutely. And also the cow spoke and has a wonderful message about uh, peace, love and uh, not coveting their neighbour's oxen. And that makes a lot more sense. That, that... Why, would you, why would you even bring oxen into it if it wasn't a cow delivering this message? Talking cow. I just... The more I say it, the more I believe it. The more passionate I feel about it. Talking cow. The Pope called you this week, and I quote, a silly bastard. Is that fair? That, that was, and I'm, I'm not going to mince words, that was a real kick in the jaffers. Because as a Catholic priest, you look up to the Pope, and also he's got that, that sneaky little uh, infallibility clause Uh, papal infallibility, which means if he says a thing, it's true. So it leaves me in a bit of a... So you are a silly bastard. I mean, I don't... I'm not getting business cards printed. That's all I'm going to say. And it was was infuriating that uh, in a few of the local news reports, when they came to to this, this very room and chatted to me, that little strap line at the bottom, it didn't say parish priest... It didn't say a true believer. It said silly bastard, and it wasn't even in um, it wasn't even in quote marks when they put it down the bottom of the of, of, of the screen. And I think that's that seems irresponsible. Oh, he's so beautiful. Is he okay? He's perfect. Is the cow back in here? Is the cow licking the baby? Licking him clean. Stop the cow from licking our son. I can't stop him now. He's stuck right in there. I can't. <laughs> Surely this isn't is hygienic. Is this even allowed? It's natural. It's all been cleared. I haven't even held him yet. Well, you will soon, once he's clean. The Pope's use of the phrase "silly bastard" came as part of a wider speech given on the balcony at the Vatican, officially did I jump? Was I pushed? Is a question that uh, we could debate all day. Um, and the answer is I was I was pushed. I was told in no uncertain terms that if I continued to preach that Jesus was a cow, uh, they would take my parish away. And so what I did was I basically... I, hostage situation is a, is, a, uh, is a strong term. There were no weapons. Uh, during one of my sermons, I got uh, one of the... Uh, bigger altar boys to go outside the church and uh, lock the doors from the outside. And, and, and here we are today. We're 12, 13 people strong, uh, not including the perverts. And uh, some good has come out of this. And some good has come out of this. A lot of good has come out of this. I've actually reunited with some of my bandmates from Oven, uh, Ian He's still. He was the guy who put. He the was the guy with the with the sticks up his nose, and yeah. he's uh, he's still uh, alive and kicking. He's he's um, he's actually he's back now, and um, he found me coincidentally through the 
the fetish website because that's that's been his thing ever since he uh he lost his faith in satan and uh was looking for something else and it, for some reason the uh the the rubber fetish dressing as a cow was only taking him so far and i think the final piece of the puzzle has clicked into place with him so he's and now one of your congregation he's now one of he's now one of the merry band and, um, and could we see the beginnings of an oven reunion well, I'm not averse to taking the church in a more evangelical direction. I think it would be great if he brought along uh, possibly some of his uh, tablers or even just a snare and sort of drummed along with some of my more bombastic sermons. I'd be very happy for that to... Um... Obviously, I think we want to play down his associations with um, cults and sex magic. Well, this this brings me on to... The last thing I want to ask you about, which is, you'll be aware of, of the rising popularity of, of the Church of Eli, which is, uh, you know, well now becoming well known. It's spreading across the world. How do you respond to the rumours that your church has aligned itself with the Church of Eli, and that is why you left the Catholic Church? You're going to have to refresh my memory because I only, I only have a vague memory of. I mean, I, I, I obviously I've met Eli. A few times there's photographic evidence that's been used against me many times but but you know elvis met nixon does that make elvis a bad person no no but there are also photographs of you giving a sermon in the forty thousand seater church of eli mega church that's in uh, south korea firstly yes there are photographs there's no you, you hear what i'm saying in those photographs obviously that's the nature of uh, photographs I'm actually attempting to save 40,000 sinners and to bring them back to St. Catharines in Bromley and to tell them there is actually a way, a, a different way. Uh, you know, I don't like... Well, that. so hang on, you hope that well, all 40,000 of those largely South Korean Church of Eli congregation members would move to Bromley in, in South East London? It was a punt. And not an unsuccessful punt. We didn't get all 40,000. But uh, I've had some very, very encouraging emails from eight or nine of them. You know, as soon as they can cobble the funds together, which is obviously difficult because their well, funds 90% go of their money is going to directly the to Eli. Eli. Uh, as soon as they can cobble those funds together, they're going to uh, they're going to get the next the next flight over, and hopefully, I'll be able to greet them uh, with open arms, uh, and they can bathe in the in the fonts of milk. I, I really, I really cannot stress enough that that was a, a mission. I was very much like the... But uh, do you see... Do you, yes, go, go on. Do yes. you see when people think about what you're saying theologically, that Jesus was a cow, that that is somewhat similar to the Church of Eli's central belief, which is that they worship Malcolm the Bull, of course, who was a bull who wouldn't die and had to be killed 12 times. There's a real similarity there, isn't there, between the two figures you're looking up to and you could imagine a world where those two things begin to merge. No, I can't imagine that world. I look at Malcolm as a sort of Rasputin figure, the mad monk who refused to die. I don't see Rasputin and Jesus as being similar. In the same way that um, if I went to a Boney M concert, I wouldn't think of that as going to church. So I look at Eli's followers, the persuasion, and I see them as lost calves. I see them as so close to the word of God, but yet so far. In many ways, like the members of Oven, 
They needed to worship. They wanted to worship. They just picked the wrong God. Final question. Yes. If Jesus is a cow, what is God? Well, God is beef. And the one who lives in beef lives in God, and God lives in him. Put it this way. You can't spell belief without beef. Reverend Hilary Block, thank you very much. It's been an absolute pleasure. A big thanks to Reverend Hilary Block for that interview. If you'd like to attend a service at St Catherine's, the weekly Sunday service takes place at 10am. And he told me that if you take your own mug, you can drink as much milk as you like from the baptismal font. If it isn't chock full of perverts in rubber cow suits, that is. So, that's all we've got time for this month. But if you're after more beef and dairy news, get over to the website now, where you'll find all the usual stuff, as well as our off-topic section, where this month we go to France to find out how heavy-handed a security guard will be if you throw a pine cone at the Mona Lisa. So, until next time, beef out. Thanks to Matthew Crosby, Gemma Arrowsmith and Tom Crowley. And to you, thanks for listening. I've got some fun news. I just wanted to let you know that for the first time, uh, there is such a thing as Beef and Dairy Network merchandise available for you to buy. Um, Over the years, we've had lots of you getting in touch, asking about whether we have merch, and we've finally got around to doing it. So go to www.beefanddairynetwork.com forward slash merch. That's beefanddairynetwork.com forward slash merch. And from there, you can choose from which store to buy from. We've got one set up in the USA and one based in the UK, which means that you can buy one from the one, which means you don't have to pay um, terrible customs charges, depending on where you are. So go and check it out. So far, we have T-shirts and mugs bearing the logo of our sponsor, Mitchell's. And I'm sure there'll be new designs in the future. So there you go. www.beefanddairynetwork.com slash merch. Slash merch. Slash merch. You know, we're only joking. Not going to do that. Oh, also, thanks to everyone who's bought tickets for Beef and Dairy Live at London Podcast Festival next month. It is now sold out, and I cannot wait. However, a few tickets might become available in the week leading up to it. If you really want to come, uh, we'll let you know on Twitter. All right. Bye. I can't hear myself, but I'm assuming. These are real podcast listeners, not actors. uh, Hey, thanks for coming. Here's a list of descriptors. What would you choose to describe the perfect podcast? I mean, vulgarity. Dumb. Definitely dumb. And like, uh, right here, this one, meritless. What if I told you there was a podcast that did have all of that? No. Jordan Jesse Go. And it's free. Jordan Jesse Go? Jordan Jesse Go. Jordan Jesse Go. A real podcast. Beloved Maximum Fun Star Trek podcast, The Greatest Generation, is going out on tour. We are bringing Greatest Gen Con to a bunch of cities in the U.S. and Canada. It's our big tribute to slash send up of Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. And we have a big leg coming up. (laughs) 
Yes, we are raising our legs on a number of cities <laughs> in the coming weeks. We're going to Washington, D.C. on August 23rd, the Bell House in Brooklyn, New York on August 24th, Mass Mocha in North Adams, Massachusetts on August 25th, Pittsburgh on the 28th, Boston, Massachusetts at the Wilbur Theater on the 29th, Atlanta, Georgia at the Earl on the 30th, Ferndale, Michigan at the Magic Bag on the 31st. Those are some great big rooms and some great big cities, Ben. And it's a really fun show. It's accessible even if you haven't listened to the podcast yet. We can't wait to see you when we're out on tour. Check greatestgencon.com for dates and ticketing information. And Khan is spelled K-H-A-N because Wrath of Khan. Greatestgen, K-H-A-N.com. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.